You are listening to Mist Apex iRacing Podcast. Let's get faster. Welcome to Mist Apex Podcast iRacing Edition. This is where we try to make you faster, happier, more handsome by speaking to experts like Brad Philpot. How's it going, Brad? It's going okay, considering I'm basically sat in a sauna in my spare room. I can't believe you don't have aircon. I think a fan blowing at your rig is the very minimum. Do you not at least just have a fan blowing at you whilst you're eye racing? Yes, I have a massive, um, cheap Amazon fan, one of those big black tower ones that cost about £30. That's aimed at me, but obviously I'm not allowed that on for the podcast because of the background noise. So that's why I'm sat here in the heat sacrificing for the art and i have to say in the shed the best decision we ever made because it is a studio as well is to have an aircon unit and then i had to cut a hole in the shed but when we're doing our eye racing tournaments if for any reason i've hit the wrong setting or like the other day um i was blindly trying to adjust the temperature with the remote control with vr on and the remote control batteries had died and it was just blasting out 25 degree heat instead of 17 that I normally crank it down to, and I was cooking after 40 minutes around Monza. Yep, I feel your pain. I've been doing a lot of sessions recently, basically just wearing my pants to try and get over this heat wave we're we're seeing at the moment. (laughs) Oh dear, what a vision. And I've got my first iRacing-related injury. I have a genuine, I think, rotator cuff tear in my left shoulder. And I'm like, oh, that's so embarrassing. I need to make up a good story of how I got that. I was injured last night by my direct drive wheel when I thought I was turning up the traction control. I actually turned it off. I went the wrong way, um, spun out of a corner, completely took me by surprise, and the wheel tried to rip my thumb off. So um, I I feel your pain. Wow. I'm getting too much uh, direct drive envy here. So let's bring on someone with a belt-driven wheel. We've got Alex Van Jean. How's it going, Alex? It's going wonderfully, especially because I'm not going to be a belt-driven wheel person for much longer. You have been tempted. Okay, let's make that our our first topic. But first of all, we've also got Matt Two Rumpets. I think I've done this in the correct iRacing order today, Matt. I think you probably have. Yep. So you, Brad's on like 85,000 or whatever, so we can disregard his iRating for the purpose of of this. What is it, 6,000? Uh, it's on the verge of seven, 6,865. We only ever hear about the disasters, though, Brad. We only ever hear from you where you go, ah, oh, I lost 45 races worth of I-rating because someone nudged my rear wheel. Yep, and then what I do is I set about doing every single possible race until I'm back to where I was before the bad thing. So I shut myself in the room and get it back. So uh, Alex went ahead and st- compiled statistics of all the total races of our our extended crew who organise, you know, this podcast, Missed Apex podcast, and our iRacing tournaments that we do uh, in the F3 at the moment. And it was quite surprising. Uh, You were top, Brad. There's no surprise there, I don't think. Is this number of races? Yeah, number of race starts. By a long way. How many race starts was it, Alex? Over 500. But he has also been doing it for a few few more years more than us. But the increment increase in the last two years has been rather a lot and you've you've felt that brad have you like you've ramped up your eye racing yeah from basically the moment we were locked down first of all last year it suddenly got serious and i started doing a lot of races but the thing i care about isn't number of starts it's win percentage so you don't happen to have those statistics do you alex (laughs) Uh, we'll go fish those but it was quite high this year it's like 63 percent i think 
which is a bit crazy. But that's because you stopped doing Formula One and then went and did Formula Three every hour and won pretty much every single race. It's almost cheating. Oh, Matt, I, I think I need to speak to Matt for a second because my win percentage is nearly zero at the moment. Yeah, um, and, and my win percentage is I've won a race. You've won a so, race once. I, I have won a race in F3, no less, at Monza. So that, that's it. As far as I'm concerned, I'm equal with Brad. I've, I've won two races in IGP this, 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 this season, which is the most in any season that I've ever had. Um, however, I've still lost about 300 iRacing I rating in the last 12 weeks, which means I'm only about 20, 30 iRating ahead of you now. <sighs> Amazing. So I'm basically as good, at, as good as you at racing now. Uh, but Brad, can you ever get the joy that I'm eventually going to get when I pick up an F3 top split win this season on the, what I have to say, massively improved F3 calendar this year? When I finally get that win, I might genuinely take the next day off. You can't recreate that joy. For you, you can only lose when you set about a race. I, I definitely can get that joy if we win a big event. So obviously the race we're doing this weekend, which I know we're going to talk about later, um, or if I win a championship or any of the big events, if I'm lucky enough to win one of those or even just get a, a good finishing position, I get that same level of joy. I don't know. I don't, I don't believe you, Brad. I think only disappointment can come from being at your elite level. But we've covered the three topics I, I want to go for today, I think, which is the F3 calendar, the Le Mans race you guys are about to do, the direct drive wheel, which someone on this panel has ordered, and the new Formula V as well. I think we should start with the Le Mans 24-hour, sorry, not the Le Mans 24-hour, a 24-hour race that happens to be on a French race track for copyright reasons, because as we covered last week, R-Factor have exclusive rights to call themselves the Le Mans 24 for sim racing or some such thing. Uh, but the thing I'm excited about is that Brad and Alex are having a sleepover. You're having a lovely little party together. Tell me about your little, your LAN party, Brad. Okay, so this is quite exciting because at, you know, 35 years old, it's the first time that I'm having one of these kind of computer game <laughs> sleepover things. Because we have the technology yes. now. So um, Alex and I are both racing in this Majors 24. He's racing in LMP1 uh, and I'm racing in the GT class. I don't think we're going to end up being in the same split, unfortunately, because I was really looking forward to being in the same race and, you know, him lapping yeah, yeah, us yeah. and, you know, waving as he goes past, even though he's in my spare room. But that, that won't happen, unfortunately, I don't think. But I've set up a spare room completely for Alex to bring his sim rig over. So it's just a totally empty room. I've just even cleaned the carpet for him. Wow. Um, and he's going to have uh, you know an extension cable with all the plugs he needs, a little fan that I've got for him, <laughs> and he's going to set up in there, and we're going to order pizza and do some racing together. That is wonderful. I've, I've often thought, you know, if we could hire out a, a warehouse unit and all bring our sim rigs there if there was enough internet and all like have a, a full day of doing it. But it's 24 hours, so that must mean he's staying um, overnight as well how does it run yeah i mean i guess we'll both be doing some night stints um so we probably won't get a whole lot of sleep it's going to be a bit like a real world 24-hour race where you have to schedule sleep times and try and make sure you've got enough rest and you've eaten enough uh, because it's pretty physical when you're doing long stints and we'll probably be triple stinting maybe quadruple stinting oh and alex uh, dad to dad how has that gone down at home that you're off to brad's house for 30 hours to play video games no, no. Yeah, it's gone down really well. Okay, really, really well. Um, I've had to arrange. I've had to arrange for my kids to go to my mother-in-law, um, so that my wife actually gets a break. Um, I 
made her aghast by saying that I have to be at Brad's for 10 o'clock in the morning because Brad doesn't want me there any later because he wants everything set up before the race starts because then he's not willing to even open the door after uh, the the race has started. Um, but yeah, listen, it's going to be it's going to be really interesting as long as luckily he's got mega mega internet, so we're not going to have too much of an issue with the with the sim actually working and getting cut out and things like that because that would have been the issue. I'm not going to stream it to be honest. It's so hard driving that LMP car um, that you've got no downforce because it's obviously all stripped off. It's up to 200 miles an hour before you can even think about it. Um, And you've got to really extend the braking zones because it doesn't deal very well with hard braking. So you can't really dive bomb people. And at the top end, it's not much faster than the car that Brad's driving or the LMP2 cars. It's just the way it gets to that speed. But it's very clumsy in the low speed corners. So you've got to be very, very gentle. So I'm actually probably going through the chicanes and things, maybe slower than the LMP2 cars because of the way I have to get the car down. But I'm on the power much earlier. So Brad, you're in an LMP2. I'm actually in a GT car. Oh, okay. We've made a late switch from a Ferrari to a Porsche. So we're driving the car that you own. Um, because it just turned the out. Oh, I don't want to say this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it turned out to be a bit quicker oh, no. than the Ferrari. Just don't <laughs> tell anyone else. Uh, okay, well, well, we'll put a delayed release on it. But I'm assuming it's too late now because everyone's done qualifying laps and such like. Uh, you actually can still change because, as far as I can tell, majors, the the um, organisation running it, they don't actually care which car you're in as long as you're qualifying in the correct class. So I actually think you could probably get away with qualifying in a different car to the one you race, just because their automated qualifying system doesn't really check which car you're in. But basically, um, Alex is going to have a slightly easier time lapping us uh, or lapping our class than he would have done because this week iRacing um, released a big update in the middle of the week. And one of the things they did was really hobble the GTE cars top speed. So we are quite a bit slower on the straights now than before. So you should be able to get past them a bit more easily. Lapping cars isn't easy. I did a stint earlier in the week and I um here's 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 a couple of my adventures i went round onto the Mulsanne straight some lmp didn't see me and nearly put me in the wall i was like millimeters from the wall um i had one guy turning on me into a chicane because he didn't realize i was there i had a gt3 car didn't know how to let me past and ended up swerving all over the circuit uh to try and let me past i then hit a car that had been that had spun at the second chicane, um, which gave me damage. I decided to keep driving on with damage um, and then ended up pinning it in the wall because the car was so damaged. And that was nine laps. Fair enough. How hard are these cars to damage compared? Because obviously I've been doing single seaters. Not hard at all. You really? touch a wall, you lose aero. Um, and remember how much, you know, in the F3, how much you lose on the straights just yeah. by a tiny bit of damage to your front wing. Yep, yep. It's massively um really um, extend yeah huge it, when when i did so i i hit somebody sideways and hit the back of my car i lost 10 seconds a lap and it's the, the thing with the f3s matt that always perplexes me is you bend your wing and it doesn't affect you in the corner at all but it affects your top speed and you go surely surely that's the other way other way around well th- that's probably just down to drag but they they are um very, very fragile. You can actually lose a fair amount of time if you just simply go completely off the track and bounce over a curb. Well, the, Never the mind. Tin tops. The tin tops. 
Uh, no, the P1s, the L and P1s. I thought the whole point, Brad, of these cars was that they were going to be like less crashy and damagey, and I thought you could like bump over curbs, rubbing is racing. It shattered that. No, not at all. These are very, very fragile cars. And I actually really like that. And there's no fast repairs or anything like that. It makes it much more like a real-world endurance race okay. on 24 hours where, you know, if you touch stuff, the cars are fragile and it will affect your aero on the straights. And what it means is if you're not going into the race as one of the favourites, you know, my team, as an example, if we make it into the top split and we'll find out tomorrow, we're likely to be somewhere in the teens. 23 cars get into our class. We're likely to be somewhere 14th or 15th on qualifying times. So we're not going to go win the race on pace. But the fact that the damage is so severe and it's so hard to drive the cars. And as Alex mentioned, it's hard to lap and all that kind of thing. It means we've still got a chance right up until the final hour or so. People can crash because the damage is so realistic. Yeah, it is. And uh, I think you were thinking probably more of the GT3 cars or the GT4 cars being a little more robust. And, Maybe, and the yeah. real stuff. But Brad says that I'm thinking of a, a race I did at Bathurst where I actually crashed and was like in 10th place. And then all of Australia lost its internet and I just gained five places because I was still on track and, and nobody else could drive. So nice. the thing about endurance racing is it's never really over till it's all the way over. Uh, awesome. Well, it's 24 hours and after 24 hours, it is it is over. Um, what I'm interested in is the difference between the classes because I did my first, I think my first multi-class yesterday with the Little Wings. So we'll talk about uh, the Formula Vs that were in that. We all picked Formula Renaults. So it's Formula Renaults, uh, USF 2000 single-seaters, uh, something else. And, and oh, it was the, the Skippies and the Formula V. And the, the Formula V cars are so slow, and the Skippies as well, that you were almost, they were almost stationary as far as uh, it, you know overtaking was concerned. So the gap between LMP1, LMP2, GTE, it, it's not that broad is it like between lmp1 and lmp2 could the the worser lmp1 drivers end up getting overtaken by the lmp2 guys potentially um probably probably not in the higher splits because the cars will be doing the kind of lap times they should be doing yeah and if i remember correctly it's something like 10 seconds between the lmp1s and the lmp2s um alex's class for example are doing three minute 10 as the fastest kind of times and our class is doing three minute 30 uh, or 48 so we are we're a big chunk behind that but it's all all in the corners and the acceleration zones thing is the the funny thing is about the ultimate pace this is why i got i got really annoyed when i first started testing this car because i couldn't get near the ultimate pace of some of the other guys in my team and okay i've got guys like danny and kyle and brian boomsman on my team who are obviously some of the some of the obviously some of the fastest guys in our missed apex events um but those what, why did they let irrelevant. you in why did they let you in your t- in their team god knows um they th- so but so i got really disheartened that i couldn't get near their pace i was a couple yeah. of seconds off but actually when you're lapping people you're not doing those times anyway because because the cars are a little bit cumbersome someone in the chat said that there are single seater cars with with roofs wheel, and, wheel, wheel um, arches wheel yeah. arches on which isn't quite true because they're quite they're tiny for a start um and they're quite cumbersome in the low corners and the brakes aren't as good so i can't launch and dive bomb anything into the chicanes because you're going too fast and you just spin because there's no downforce um and that's so, all one tactic 
<laughs> um, well, I've, I've had to completely modify my driving style yeah. for this car because you've got regeneration as well. So you've got to really extend the braking zones if you want to do regeneration. But the issue is if you catch somebody through, there's a corner called Indianapolis, which is a fast sweeping right-hander, which then goes into a really tight left-hander. And then after it is another right, really tight right-hander. If you don't get somebody on the straight before that corner and it's a GT car or an LMP2 car, you don't overtake them until the straight after that right hand go on you lose five seconds yeah and that is the that is the characteristic that makes uh le mans and this race so interesting is that the fastest car isn't really any faster into the corners or around the corners it's really only on corner exit where you can gain that advantage so like you said so much of it comes down to when do i catch this car first of all and then if you're in the fastest car how good is the person ahead of me at letting me by? I've tangled with GTE cars that are not that will want to try and repass you in the Porsche curves if you if you if you get off a little bit in your entry and and lose a little bit of time. They will they will want to come past you again, even though it's pointless because you're just going to be right past them yet again. Yeah, it's things like coming out the pits as well. You know, if you come out the pits and there's a fleet of GT3s coming up on you. Um, you have to still get on the power as fast as you can because if they get ahead of you into turn one, you're likely going to be behind the majority of them until you start on the Mulsan straight again. So there's a lot of strategy involved in there. And, and you know, the, you've got to rely on the GTEs to know you're there as well. And, you know, around the Mulsan, around the Porsche curves, you can overtake around the outside because you are much quicker there. But only if they let you and if the guy in the car in front of you isn't offline or whatever. So there's, you've got to take risks, but not too much risk because if you have the slightest off in an LMP, if you go near the gravel, you're in a barrier. And your main challenge is overtaking people as the fastest car. And I know why you've done that. You're a bit of a fair weather racer seeking glory. Or I know that when you're overtaking a GTE car, even if it was Brad, you'd be there going, a little part of you would be like, I've overtaken him because I'm better than him. And a little part of you, you would let that little part of your brain fo- foster endorphins in your head. I know you would. That's why you've picked the LMP1. I'd love to. I'd love for that to be true, but it's not. I didn't even pick the car. I got a message from Kyle saying, um, do you want to come race LMP1s? I'm like, all right then. Okay, don't believe you. But Brad, why has your team picked the GTE. Why would you volunteer? What's the mentality to volunteer to be overtaken for 24 hours? Yeah, so a couple of reasons. First of all, I absolutely hate the regeneration and energy recovery kind of stuff that goes on with the LMP1s. I did a few laps in the LMP1 that Alex is driving and was just nowhere near the pace of the top guys and couldn't. I just couldn't bring myself to sit and, and be an engineer and work out same same reason that I left the Formula One series. It just wasn't fun. It seemed like an engineering exercise rather than a driving exercise. The GTEs have a larger grid in the race. There's only 10 LMP1s and there are 23, I believe, uh, or maybe 24 GTEs. So better chance of getting in the top split. Um, and it was when I drove the car, it was just about driving. I didn't have to do yeah. anything extra. I wasn't having to press any other buttons. I just drove the car as fast as I could. And all of our team are quick enough to be in the top split um, doing it like that. So that's the reason why. I've stuck it in auto and because um, you could, you've got, so the regeneration mode just very quickly on it, you, you, it regains all the energy from braking. 
So you brake, you, re- 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 you regain energy, and you press a button to go faster. Um, however, it has an automatic mode, which I have found out is actually deploys in pretty much the exact same strategy as the manual okay. strategy we've been given. Um, the Where Brad talks about being an engineer, what I've got from watching a bunch of videos is the strategy is basically the same for everybody. There is one like perfect strategy which everyone's using. Okay, uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, what are we? What are we? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, GT, what's up, Brad? You're just trying so hard to not come across as bored with with endurance racing stuff, and and I think you're failing. No, I can hear your boredom with it. Uh, that would be fair in any other zone, in any other time. But I've actually genuinely been putting some time, an investment into a organizing Miss Apex, doing some endurance stuff, and me and my boy have been getting behind the wheel of an endurance car as well. Uh, but uh, Alex just distracted me going on about regen because I don't think he understood it himself. But he had he had a go, didn't he? He had a good, a fair old go. Um, we were hopping in the Mercedes GT3 around Spa because I think that's the event we're aiming to kind of swarm as a Mist Apex racing community. Have to say it was it was wonderful. We were on. I bet we're on completely the wrong setup. Uh, I'm betting we were on the wrong uh, strategy because you can choose between sprint and enduro, but whatever. We just wanted to get in and experience the car. Uh, and there was some kind of event that just happened to have that car and the track. Wonderful. Obviously, Spa is always good. The noise and experience of the GT3 car, the steering wheel looks super cool. Um, the seating position much more matches what I've got in the sim rig, so it feels a little bit more realistic as well. Um, and it feel, felt great to drive once you realise... You've got to, you know, break a kilometre away. It was, it was fun. It was satisfying, and it was, um, it was enjoyable. Is the GT3 and GTE classes are they similar? GT3 is faster. Uh, GTE is faster. Um, they ah, are similar. Right. So uh, they are they are very similar actually, but they run to different rule sets. Um, GTE cars don't have ABS, for example. GT3 cars are a little bit more accessible for gentlemen drivers. Yes. You know, you can get very wealthy amateurs doing that there, in, there is also in, in an ammo class in gte ah, right. though, to be fair but gtes are a bit more raw a bit quicker and they're kind of designed to run with the le mans series uh okay so in the gt3 that me and my lad were running that is kind of like a a nice gateway introduction into top quote unquote top tin top cars yeah so gt3 for example is the top category that races at the nurburgring so in the nurburgring 24 hours gt3 is the class and they're like rocket ships so it's so funny thinking of them as actually a relatively slow endurance car when you look at the grand scheme of other endurance cars gotcha matt well i've actually raced the uh, audi front wheel drive at the at the nordschleife and i've also raced the gt4 at the nordschleife so when the latest 24 hour race came on there i got inspired and said let me grab my gt3s and go drive around and what's amazing to me is how much quicker you can be in a particular car than the other cars. I found the BMW to be much quicker, like seven or eight lap uh, seconds a lap quicker than the Mercedes, for example. Around, across, around the across the Nordschleife, though, which is 85 miles long. Because it's, it's a journey to your parents, isn't it, Brad? Not a racetrack, is it? I mean, it's like, it's a road trip. So you, Matt, what Matt's um, talking about there is actually really valid because GT3 cars are all performance balanced but they achieve that performance in very different ways so you've got mid-engine cars you've got the 911 which is still the the rear engine porsche 911 hasn't quite got to the mid-engine like the gte 
Porsches. Uh, you've got front engine cars like the BMW. There's, so there's quite a mix and, and a mix of power outputs as well that are then equalized to kind of achieve a very similar lap time. So that's another good reason GT3 is a good class. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Okay, let's move on a little bit and let's talk about our favorite subject, hiding excessive iRacing spends and purchases from our wives. Because what has been making big splashes in the sim racing world has been, I'm going to get this wrong, we've been describing it as the baby direct drive. So it's Fanatec's latest direct drive offering and it's meant to be somewhere in between the things like the podium and then the belt driven wheel. So like a step up is meant to be a first step, isn't it, Alex, on the direct drive wheel ladder i think it's, that's it's yeah it's the it's replacing their cls range um so it's the cls direct drive um it is uh, either five newton meters or eight newton meters of torque which uh depends on the power pack that you buy so you've got a five newton meter power pack and an eight meter eight newton meter power pack which there's a really big price discrepancy it's for the, huge um for the for the power pack when that's not how much that power pack costs. No, it doesn't matter. It's, so it's with some, but you, with we, some... Did, we did, I did get a nice discount. So I basically I was umming and ahhing about this for ages, um, and then our dear friend Catman said he said that this new rim, the new Formula rim for uh, Fanatec had come out, and it was a limited edition version, which was much nicer than the other versions that they have. On their um, on their store, and I was like, right, well, that's my dive in to go and buy it because I've been planning on on thinking. I've been thinking about it anyway. So then I bought that, and then the launch came out for the advanced um, pre-orders, and I didn't get my email, and I couldn't order this wheel. Um, and then I managed to use somebody else's account, order the wheel, and now I have my lovely new direct drive wheel coming in September. Wow, I can't you took us through the whole ordering experience. Thank you, Van Jean. That was incredible. Uh you mentioned the power packs. I think this is a bit of a I think this is a bit of a cheeky move. So you buy the wheelbase and then presumably you've got to buy your actual wheel that goes on it, but that doesn't come with a power pack. Like you're gonna buy your wheelbase and there's no way to power it, so you have to choose between it's separate, it's shipped separately, separate boxes. You choose between a lower power unit and a higher power unit. So is it Five newton meters and eight newton meters. When you order the wheel, it comes as standard with the five newton meter power pack. That's part of the price. Right. Um, you then pay extra money to have the extra pack. I don't think that's actually how they're they're doing it. I think they are selling the unit price, which is quite low, and then they're saying, right, when you order it, now add which power pack, which select one you no. want. No, I was watching a there's a view there's a there's a video with the guy from Fanatec, and he says that that's what it comes with. Sure, I watched the same one. Obviously, I interpreted it differently. Matt? Uh, If you ask me, this is like classic bait and switch. Oh, look, there's a Ferrari for $300. Let's go to the car lot. Oh, yeah, well, here's the $300 Ferrari. Now, if you want one with four wheels and an engine, that's going to cost a little bit more because now, correct me if I'm wrong, 
Brad. But from, to my understanding, if you're going to buy one of these, the five Newton meter one is not really the one that you're going to want. That is correct. Yeah, you're you're kind of you're getting it um, just for the sake of getting it because it's a, it says it's a direct drive wheel, but you could get alternatives for similar price that could actually be more powerful. Wouldn't have all the benefits of direct drive, but for uh, for all intents and purposes, if you're going to buy this, you want the eight newton meter one. And and so the video, the guy was sat there saying, "Well, you can. You, it's not really about the power; it's about the fidelity." And I was very suspicious of that. To me, this seemed very much like a way. What they want you to do is buy the higher powered wheel. They want you to buy the higher power one, and the price difference in no way will reflect like the production costs of of a slightly more powerful power supply. So, it, yeah, okay. So. From a marketing point of view, that's the approach they've taken. It always just feels a little bit disingenuous uh, when you have things like that and you feel like you're being kind of suckered in. I would think I would have just preferred it, Brad, if they just go, here's the 8 newton meter one. That's the actual power that you'll want. Here's how much it is. It's very similar to in ranges of cars that you can buy. Often a manufacturer will have a deliberately rubbish base model to just push you into the next one up because I don't really want anyone to buy that one because there are obvious things that everyone would want that it doesn't include. So um, I, I think the whole, it's the fidelity, it's not it's not just the power that matters. It's, it's not quite right, because the way you achieve some of that fidelity is by having a, a larger range to work within. And so having the five newton meter wheel, I just think is, it's still good, it'll still last for ages, it'll have those benefits. It will be a, a great unit, it just won't give you everything you really want from a direct drive wheel, get the eight newton meter one. So I never used a direct drive wheel before until a couple of weeks ago. And I went to our friend Danny Henney's house and had a go on one. And the instant thing I noticed about the direct drive wheel was the smoothness. So I've had people talk about the wheel that we've got spanners, which is the um, um, Thrustmaster TSPC racer. And they said it's notchy. And I've never quite understood that um, until I tried a direct drive wheel and it is just absolutely silky smooth on the steering like you're using an actual steering wheel. So I think that's what they're trying to sell as the, um, uh, I think that's what they're trying to sell as, as the fidelity part of it. Um, but from some of the reviews that I've watched from uh, pre-production models, uh, it seems like everyone's like, yeah, it's fine, but you need the power pack. Yeah. So more power, more resolution, but I have an actual question for you to equipment specialist which is um i had originally been thinking about getting a used tspc to upgrade mine because i'm still on the t300 and i've been incredibly jealous of spanners and his full bore rig that he now has installed in his air-conditioned shed none of which i have <laughs> a permanent rig as well it takes yeah, no I know, sound I know. it just it, it it burns every time i think about it That's and, and never mind the fact that i'm still using a dk2 <laughs> do you know what you're a good friend to admit jealousy because i will enjoy my gear more now with that jealousy in my heart i do what i can i really thanks do. man um but in looking at at buying one suddenly this option popped up and i'm like oh i could get something that will make spanners jealous this is even better (laughs) that's true but the rims situation is confusing to me do i have to have a fanatec rim 
And if I have to have a Fanatec rim, is there one that would be sort of, I, I know the limited edition one is both limited in edition and sold out. So I'm not going to worry about that. But, but is there one that you would recommend for someone like myself who's just getting into this level of gear? So from my point of view, uh, as far as I know, you don't have to have the Fanatec wheel, but you will have to have a Fanatec uh, quick release boss to bolt onto it so that it can physically connect to the wheelbase. Um, you could then have a range of options of different third party wheels which plug in with usb which is like pretty much every other um direct drive wheel manufacturer i've got a simia cube here and i have a, a separate manufacturer who makes the wheel and it plugs in with the usb which is great the fanatec quick release uh, mechanism is has been notorious for developing some play and i've seen a lot of wheels that kind of wobble which is one of the reasons i didn't want to go fanatec um when i got a direct drive wheel but you you could get either the problem is it's expensive any route you go. Matt. Okay, so just to follow up, um, the wobble comes from the quick release boss or from Fanatec wheels directly bolted onto the base? Well, all of the Fanatec wheels bolt on with this boss, as far as I know, um, unless Alex has some other information. Um, they have two different types of bosses. Uh, they have the one quick release boss, and they have a boss that twists, which is on the, um, the one of the lowest um, wheels that they've got, which is the McLaren one, which is very highly specced, actually, for one of their lowest price ones. But you do need a Fanatec rim for a Fanatec unit because uh, they all have the control system for uh, their system. But if you plug in with a USB, you can have all the same things. So you don't, you don't have to. You only have to have a Fanatec rim if you want to have particular Fanatec functions working with it. So you could, I could use my current rim on a Fanatec wheel if I had a Fanatec boss. Email feedback at mistapex.net. That comes through to my inbox and Matt's inbox. And I, I want to know the biggest purchase you've hidden from your partner and what lengths you've had to go to because we've heard some fantastic stories in Slack and it's just casual. Like they've dropped things casually in like, yeah, but I can't get it till next Wednesday because I need to get it delivered to work. And then I've had, I've seen somebody ask, will that wheel base look significantly different to the point that my wife will notice the difference? And it's just like, there's just this whole espionage element to upgrading gear. I was delighted that when my direct drive wheel came, it was black and metal and very subtle, which is kind of what the other one looked like. If someone wasn't really paying attention, <laughs> I actually put black tape over the word SimuCube because obviously my other half had heard me talking about SimuCube as a thing. So she would recognize that as, as a thing that I was talking about that I couldn't really afford. So I covered that up. And by the time she actually knew what it was, I'd had it for ages and I could just use the line. Oh, no, that's been in it for ages. Excellent. Of course, none of none of the other people on this panel would ever buy anything and sneak it past their partners. I certainly never have. <laughs> we were in the pub talking about this, Brad, and uh, my wife went, have you ever hidden any purchases from me? And I was like, no, we're the only ones. Me and Brad just happen to be the only ones that never, ever lie about it. Feedback at mistapex.net. Let me know the lengths you've gone to anonymously. I swear. Alex? Yeah, I can't hide anything from Lauren. It sits in the middle of my lounge and she sees it. And studies and it. I talk about things. I, I, well, these, I can't watch a video on something and not talk to her about it. Even though she doesn't care, I just can't stop myself talking about it. Um, so if ever it comes around, I have to because she knows how much all these things cost. She's also really good with Google. So I would just get found out. Immediately. I imagine having met your 
your lovely wife, that she takes photos of your rig periodically so she can just check them side by side. Um, excellent. All right. Well, I am interested. I'm certainly not going to jump all on board trying to pre-order one. I know we're in the second phase of the pre-orders now. I imagine Fanatec are going to sell every single unit of this that they, they make. They've marketed it really well. And the community has been dying for an affordable direct drive wheel. My, my feeling here is that some people are going to be a bit disappointed with this halfway house because it's it's not going to live up to say for example like you alex having jumped on brad's sim now or you know that i don't think you're going to get that same experience from your direct drive wheel is all and i'm not expecting to good for me this is for me this is a stopgap because it's going to be a while before i can afford a proper direct drive wheel um and the way i see it is my tspc racer will diminish in value quicker than this one will so i can get rid of that i'll sell that for three 350 quid and then i've got this one it will keep me going for a while until i decide to do what i'm going to do with regards to another a a, a proper direct drive wheel and if i do decide to stay with fanatec i keep the lovely limited edition rim that i've bought and just bolt on a dd1 or a dd2 and just as a final note, it, it is actually ideal for people who don't have the ability to have a full-on sim rig like you or I, Spanners, like Alex, who who want the benefits of a direct drive wheel, the fidelity, and you know it doesn't get too hot and it, it doesn't really wear out, but they can't actually bolt it to something solid enough to have a 20 newton meter one. So it, it's really perfect for Alex, I think. Excellent. And just to respond to some chat room comments here, um, we started streaming these live, by the way, so subscribe to Mr. Apex motorsport on youtube if you want to join us live otherwise be sure to like and subscribe and to subscribe on your podcatcher of choice and tell your friends uh, that after a hard day sim racing you chill out with a bottle of wine and a and a listen to missed apex by racing podcast tell your friends that's what i'm trying to say um, oh i nearly said the name here an anonymous person says i'm definitely getting my direct drive wheel sent to work so i can swap them in secret and also, there's another comment. Don't forget to talk about the discount that you get. You've all, always important to say you got a bargain. Like when I got this TSPC, had to, you know, full details on a whiteboard about why it made financial sense. Like why I couldn't not afford to get that secondhand TSPC. I've spent five hundred dollars, but it's like I'm making three hundred. Yeah, technically, um, when. I bought when when I got it there was a discount on it and actually it all ended up cheaper than I was expecting so the wife was happy when I told her the price C Barry oh no I see I've, I've said the names oh I've said it's too late now C Barry 55 said I had to bring my wife in on the direct drive wheel purchase uh, but also she shamed me for being a midfielder so <laughs> being shamed for being a mid why do you need a direct drive wheel Barry you're only a midfielder get your pace up first okay uh, let's move on two things uh, let's start with Formula V so for the longest time, iRacing has been missing an entry-level free rookie single-seater, and Formula V is the answer to that. I've never been a fan of the Skippies, but when I was trying to do iRacing on no money, no budget, not spending any money on content, we funneled all our efforts into the MX-5 because it was an accessible, popular, free series, and it always has felt like a big mix miss that there wasn't an open-wheel uh, version of it. Now, Matt and Alex have had a quick go on it, we swarmed it at Laguna Seca with a field of, I think, nearly 400 people registered for that Week 13 event. And I have to say, I think 
iRacing has absolutely hit the nail on the head here. I don't know if it is it based on a real car. It's not like a iRacing special based on a real car, um, similar to Formula Fords. Brad, is that the kind of? It's like a slower, cheaper Formula Ford. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, uh, probably harder tires, uh, less powerful engine. I think it's got a, a Volkswagen Beetle engine. So when I've raced in real life and Formula V has been a support race, uh, everybody hates them because they drop oil <laughs> everywhere. Oh, right. I see. Uh, well, for this, for the purposes of a rookie driving in, so there was a bit of a, a tyre warm-up issue. The first couple of laps were a bit difficult when you didn't know the car. But once it warmed up, gripped up, and you realised what it was up to, this is exactly what we've been looking for. So around Laguna Seca, there's a couple of braking points. Obviously, you've got brake at the hairpin, brake into turn one. The rest of it, though, is a lift or flat out, and it's a good entry point. What did you guys think of it, Matt, Alex? Did you have a quick drive around on it? Matt? I did. Yeah, it was at Alton Park uh, I jumped on before today's show because I was um, doing other things yesterday during the swarm, unfortunately. Um, I liked it. It it did really honestly remind me a lot of the Skippies. Um, So in that sense, uh, being free and available to people who are beginning to make their way through. One thing I will say, because I actually did a league that raised Skippies, uh, one thing I will absolutely say about that is that Doing those sorts of races are fantastic for getting better at racing wheel to wheel. Something that uh, often seems to be lacking, especially at the Formula 3 level, uh, because you can't really get too far away from anyone. And there's always a toe where you can catch right back up and you can go side by side into corners. So you can work on all of those skills in a series like that. So considering I couldn't stand the MX-5 um, and... The Skippy just infuriated me because it would just... I mean, you could have some hilarious fun in the Skippy because it would just go sideways and sideways, but... But I could never drive it fast. Um, in the very quick session that I just did before the show, um, in the Formula V around Alton Park, it's a fun little car. Um... It teaches you the fundamentals because you can't just wang it into a corner and slam on the brakes and trail brake it into the corner because the rear wheel will just go. Yeah. So you've got to get your braking done in a straight line. You've got to get your power on. The gearing is weird. very weird Yeah, because I was able to go faster keeping it in third gear than going into fourth gear, which was very odd. Oh, yeah. Um, and yeah, good fun little car. Uh, Brad, maybe you can speak to this. It's, it's a weird one. On the straights, you, only, you want to shift up early. It's like all the power is at the bottom end of each gear. It's very, very odd because we're so used to sort of letting it go like, like that. But it wasn't. This one, you had to kind of almost get out of third gear, rescue it from itself. Okay, that's interesting. I would have thought it would be totally the opposite unless Mm. it had a turbo. Um, But in my experience, slower cars that are normally aspirated like that, you want to absolutely rev the nuts off it. I I haven't driven it, so I I think it might have a turbo. I think someone was talking about turbo. Oh, really? So, if it does, then it's not like a real Formula V, oh, for sure. Okay. Well, because turbos, you have a power, a specific power band, don't you? And as soon as you're out of that power band, you want to shift up or down. Yeah, the turbo gives you more torque lower in the in the rev range, which means it's not necessarily um, ideal to, okay. to change late because your peak power comes in a bit earlier. Uh, well, look, we were really struggling to get up the hill, as Marcus mentioned there in the chat room. <laughs> so as soon as we could try get, trying to get up the hill in the, uh, in the Formula Vs at Laguna Seca, up towards the corkscrew... You you went up into fourth gear because that was the fastest way, and it just felt like you had no revs at all. So that might put some people off. But yeah, I don't know. To me, I think they've I think they've nailed it, Alex. I could imagine all of us. Well, I don't have to because we did it last night. All of us jumping on and having a good session in a Formula V. Yeah, I think it's the perfect entry uh, single seater. Uh, I mean, it was really weird for me because I've spent the last 
two weeks driving an LMP car over 200 miles an hour. So I'm sat there going down the straight going, come on, <laughs> come on. Um, but, but yeah, it, it was a good little fun car and it's just not as wayward as some of the other slower cars no. uh, on iRacing. No, so Bangarangish and um, Barry are saying no turbo. So I don't know, sorry for leading you down that path. I don't know where I got that from. Um, however, yes, I can imagine some good racing in that. So well done, Formula V. But we're not going to move away from Formula 3 for our main swarms. And I was tempted. I was tempted because last season's calendar was just rough. There were so many like inappropriate tracks, so many random tracks. And I thought, do you know what? This season, they're probably going to end up at like all the MX-5 tracks. Like, uh, what's that one that starts with TB? Tubishki. Yeah, scuba, scuba, scuba. Yeah. yeah, that one, um, lime rock, all those kind of tracks. And I just, I just had no faith that they were going to deliver something raceable. But I don't know if you guys have had a, a look at the calendar. It looks really good. So I'm really confident to take on the F3 season again. I'm not buying Long Beach. I'm not buying a, a Monaco circuit. That's week two. That's really the only big flaw I think in the calendar. So it's starting off at Watkins Glen. Suzuka, fantastic. Hockenheim, I can't wait to try that. Uh, Alton Park, Mayor, Spa, Phillip Island Mayor, uh, Canada, Montreal, Zandvoort, and then Monza, Silverstone, and they've said Centripedal Circuit for Week 11, which that I That would be amazing. That's got to be a mistake. That's the test. <laughs> that's going to be either Red Bull Ring or Hungara Ring. Uh, Red Bull Ring has come out in the new update. Yep. Hungara Ring might come out mid-season. That's why they've left it open. But I think 40 um, Formula 3 is going around the Centripedal Circuit. would be hilarious. <laughs> but really, it, that is a really decent calendar match. So I'm, I'm really happy that, like I say, only Long Beach... And Phillip Island, really, uh, and maybe Alton Park are making me go, eh. the rest I'm looking forward to, even Monza. Yeah, I actually like driving around Long Beach. It's a fun track to drive. And uh, Phillip Island, yeah, also not terrible in, in my eyes. I know everybody else hates it, but Brad, I've always enjoyed my races Brad, you're there. with me. Phillip Island is just terrible. Yeah, it's the worst track on iRacing for sure. Oh, I good. can't stand it either. Oh, good. Okay, so Matt's just wrong. That, that's fine. That's absolutely fine. You're outvoted, Matt. Oh, well, I'm, I, I have never been normal. I will just say that. So if I'm going to spend some money here, because there is a bit of cash involved in the F3 season, isn't there? There's Hockenheim is a new track. So that's one of your your, your purchases. Red Bull Ring, potentially, and potentially Hungara Ring. I love Hungara Ring. So if that's turning up, I think I want that anyway. I could see a missed Apex event at Hungara Ring. Do I then want to stretch to Long Beach in that scenario? No, I'm not tempted. I'm not tempted at all. But, yeah, well, yeah. Go on, Matt. I I had actually picked it up uh, back when I was dabbling with the the Lotus um, seventy nine because they were racing there, and that was oodles of fun at that track. Oh, it's even better. It's it's the wrong aerodromo. Uh, Lucas has just pointed out. I because they're very similar sounding, aren't they? So aerodromo Internazionale Enzo Dino Ferrari. So that is Imola. So it's Imola instead of Monza. That's even better. I like Imola. Good. No strong feelings one way or the other. We have meetings at two o'clock between us on the panel here. And I guess we should take advantage. I've got an hour before the kids come back. What shall I jump into? What shall I, what shall I spend my time doing? Any suggestions? Le Mans. Le Mans. Yeah, but Le Mans, I'm not buying the Le Mans track for a one-off race. That's the only oh, yeah, yeah, drawback for that. Yeah. Um, 
jump on and try the Formula V at, at um, Alton Park. At Alton Park. Or if you want to try Red Bull, I'd, I'd go buy a Red Bull ring and drive whatever's on that. It's Little Wings at the moment, isn't it? So that's the one I was describing before, but it's only a partial bit of the Red Bull track. But yeah, that is Skippy's Formula V, Renault Formula Renault 2.0 and the USF 2000s all on track together. And it was uh, it was pretty emotional. We had a go at that last night and uh, I'm not good at multi-class racing. I I'd, I'd, I ended up committing what I shouldn't have committed, uh, being too cautious and having my own class cars stream by me when I was trying to be polite to the slower cars. It was all over the place. I appreciate the skill required. Uh, go and follow my panel here. It's Van Jean, V-A-N-G-E-E-N. Search for Alex Van Jean, and he's the only Alex Van Jean you will find. He's unique and special like a raggy doll. And Matt, two rumpets at MattPT55 on Twitter and Follow Matt Trumpets on Facebook, and it's just you posting pictures of trumpets. No, oh, and uh, things my daughter bakes, to be fair. Baking and trumpets. Follow Brad uh, at Brad Philpot and search for, no, it's at Bradley Philpot on Twitter and search for Brad Philpot on YouTube. I've got it now. That's correct. And I'm going to be streaming the full 24 hours of, uh, of majors this weekend. So um, Van Jean might be responding to you on the chat because he's definitely going to crash in his first stint. So he'll be out of his race. Um, so he'll be available to just help my live stream. I'm willing on betting that I don't even get to drive. I'm betting that my car is going to get crashed before I even get in it because the likes of Brian and Danny will probably get in it before me. <laughs> yeah, I'll take a bet on that. Is there going to be a Van Jean cam, like a, just a constant Van Jean cam on Brad's stream? Just watching it might him. just be in the background. When I go to the wide angle where you can see the whole room, you'll just see Alex eating pizza on the chair behind me. <laughs> well, enjoy your sleepover land party, guys. I'm so excited for you. Don't stay up past midnight and don't splash any water on Van Jean and don't feed him after midnight. That's the that's the rule. It's, it's either that or, or Gremlins, I forget which. You can follow me as well at Spanners Ready and the show at iRacing Podcast. Have fun, iRacing. Join us for the swarm. Message me, Spanners, at mistapex.net or racecontrol at mistapex.net and get involved with us. We are pretty much every single week we practice on a Monday night and then we go and attack something official. At the moment, it is F3 on a Wednesday night. Plus, we have strong 50 to 60 car grids in f3 at the moment and they are a lot of fun it's a it's a great evening when we do those formula three events a carnival atmosphere of sim racing until next time work hard be kind and have fun this was missed apex podcast i racing edition If you're not at ease with your knobbly knees and your fingers are all thumbs, stand on your two left feet and join our Raggy Doll chums. There you go, Alex. You were the only one who got my Raggy Dolls reference last week. Mark got it. Mark got it in the chat. <laughs> I've got no idea what you're on about. You said oh, that you're, you're a year younger than me. How have you not? How did you not see the Raggy Dolls when you were a what, kid? What channel was it? Was it an ITV one? I don't know. It was on telly. There was TV. There was two channels. You were you were grown in a lab though, weren't you? The you ITV, didn't have a childhood. The ITV kids shows were just rubbish. I never watched it. I was always on BBC. Wow, you were brand loyal at whatever. Because oh, you were so cultured at at six. <laughs>
Your internet's gonna... rubbish, Alex. Get out of your yeah, kitchen. Alex, your internet's really bad. Yeah. You're like glitching. The I have no idea why. It's never a problem. Glitching really in the odd. kitchen. Wi-Fi. That's why you need a little cable that you can run out to your router. Yeah, but I've, I've, it's never a problem. I've done the last however many shows. I've done every single show this season. On Miss Apex. Yeah. You did Miss Apex shows on Wi-Fi. Oh, my God. Oh my yeah. God. I'm out, right, so I'm out of here. I shouldn't have said that, should I? <laughs> <laughs> well, I just bought a $1,500 wheel to go iRacing with.